The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. We want to welcome you to the Identity Matters podcast. Within this podcast, we do exactly that, is we cover the identity issues related to a true, authentic, born-again, indwelt believer. Hi, my name is Dr. Finney, and I will be your host today. We are excited that each of you have decided to listen to our podcast today. For those of you who are just joining us, this is a series we are doing on the abiding life in Christ. The abiding life in Christ is directly associated with the illustration that Jesus gave us in regard to Jesus being the vine, and we are the branches, and the sap is the Holy Spirit, and the sap is what is drawn up from the nutrients of the earth, and it goes in and through the vine, and it requires of itself to try to find a way to get out of the vine, which is what creates branches. And then this sap goes into the branches and the branches become the growth of the Holy Spirit because the vine was 100% obedient. So as we look at the reality of the abiding life in Christ, it's important for us to understand where our life source comes from. So without the sap being actually inside the vine, it's really impossible for the branch to have any sap, Holy Spirit inside the branch. The end result, of course, uh, particularly for those who are just joining our podcast, is that result is that the fruit either comes from Walmart, from the plastic fruit section, or it is real fruit. So as we look down the road toward the end of our podcast series on the abiding life in Christ, hopefully the listener is going to be able to go, wow, I buy my fruit from Walmart in the plastic section, or I truly do have the fruit of the Holy Spirit being draped off of my branches. Of course, the goal that I have as a teacher is my always goal, as I was chatting with a friend online, a preacher online this past week, is my always goal is to equip other believers in the exact same teaching. So it's not just to get someone saved, it's not just to make sure they know the indwelling life of Christ. The objective really is is to, for them to equip others. The gospel is passed down from generation to generation because of you. There are many countries, as you probably might guess, that the Christians that are within those countries do not know how to read. Your life becomes the only Bible that they read, and particularly children. that You cannot hand them a Bible and say, go to your room and memorize these scriptures or study these scriptures, because there's something that 
has to happen, which requires the abiding life of Christ, there's something that has to happen when someone either hears the word of God by the hearing of their ear, or they read the word of God by sight, is that it takes the Holy Spirit to actually bring understanding to that person to be able to not embrace the words, but to embrace the truth that will set you free. And the last I read, the last I heard, is that truth is a person. So we need to keep that in mind that the goal, the always objective, is to make sure that the moments of sharing the gospel are literally sustained by the Holy Spirit and the clarity, the understanding, Jesus, the truth, is done through the sap. Now we have a lot of preachers and listeners listen to me very carefully, particularly some of you unsaved preachers that look like preachers when you stand behind your pulpits. We have a lot of preachers in the world today that are not indwelt, they're not, they're not a part of the vine. They've gone to school, they've learned how to preach, they've learned how to study, they've learned how to use scriptures, you know, in a apologetic type of fashion, and they regurgitate all of these profound words from the word of God, and they're as dead as the doorknob to the church. So how can the people listening receive the truth, the life of Jesus Christ? That's when the Holy Spirit comes in, even out of a donkey, if I remember correctly, the truth can be spoken. For you as a pastor or teacher to see the confirmations of the fact that you are indwelt by the life of Christ because a couple people got saved in your congregation today is ridiculous, because you might be a donkey. But those of you who are tapped into the vine, the Holy Spirit that is within the the vine itself, and you are preaching and teaching, do you realize, listener, do you realize you can walk up and take that person's notes away? You can grab their Bible and throw it outside, and you cannot stop the truth, life, sap of Jesus Christ coming out of that teacher. There's no panicking. There's no being in a position of, oh my God, what am I going to do? My notes are gone. Or I don't have notes. It makes no difference. I'm just trying to help you understand the difference between an abiding life preacher and one who is stumbling their way through trying to be a pastor or a service person because of their notes. As I have always said, if I can't put my sermon on a little stickum, then I'm in trouble. Now I do type out one, two pages of the sermon outline because I want this replicated in Kenya. I want this replicated in Uganda. I want this replicated in the Congo. But those of you who are leaders that are preaching and teaching by studying other preachers' notes, that is a good thing. But when it comes to you standing behind the pulpit, 
You better be able to be in a position of being tapped into the indwelling life of the Holy Spirit and to have your notes burned, your Bibles taken away, and the message of truth will come forth like a river of life. We don't need our Bibles. We don't need our study notes. We need Jesus. We need the sap. But I happen to love my Bible. I happen to love my notes. I spend a lot of time putting notes together. But that's not where the real movement of the Lord is. It's just an abiding Fear can't take that away. Notes can't take that away. The lack of notes can't take that away. It's just abiding in Christ. How in the world can the Lord Jesus Christ, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, change a message in a messenger unless he is abiding in the life of Christ? Stephen, today we're not going to teach on that. I have a fresh word. It takes a, an abiding Christian, it takes an abiding preacher, abiding teacher, for that type of movement to happen through a day. And that's where we should all want to be. When we talk about a generation that is addicted It's just a good word to use. Addicted to visuals. What does that look like to you as a listener? I mean, Instagram, for example, that is, that is a classic because that's built on pictures. People who are addicted to images are dull in relationship. I like that. Gonna put that one on a t-shirt. Any orders for that t-shirt? There we go. That's what we're talking about. Okay, look into our world of media. That's what we used to call television. Today it's called cable networks. How do we see an addiction to visuals there? Now, have you ever heard anyone turning on the television, purposely not watching it, they're house cleaning, they're cooking, they're whatever, they just turn on the television just to turn the television on and don't watch it? Why? Why do these humanoids do this? Behind the silence thing is loneliness. We're launching our little message here on vision and dreams. That visual, they're not turning on their radios. Now, some do turn on music and do house cleaning and whatever. It's kind of the same, but not really. But walking by a television, seeing someone whip up some fancy mashed potatoes is a little different than hearing about it on a podcast. It's the visual That removes loneliness. Not really. But you see this false sense 
of not being alone when you see someone in the room. Now there's a darker side to the addiction of visuals, and that is the leading movies that make money are what type of movies? Scary. Scary movies. So then we have to look at the psychology behind scary movies. I mean, having some superhero come out of the sky flying around with, you know, half on fire and demonic looking face, but they're a nice guy. That is the lower element of introducing demonic imagery to children. Turn them into heroes, i.e. superheroes. Okay? So that's the bottom line of it. The top side of graven imagery being addictive is paying $18 to go to a movie in a big screen with all these scary images is that fear produces addictions. When you look at what it is that you are afraid of, you need to understand that whatever it is that you're afraid of is going to rule your life until you're dead. The enemy will use that fear object until you're dead. He will never let up. I don't care what you prosperity preachers are thinking. He will never let up. It's the only thing he has to try to destroy your mind. How in the world is this a setup to talk about biblical visions and biblical dreams and demonic visions and demonic dreams? If you think that Satan is so simple-minded that he's going to just sit back and say, Well, I'm going to give you a bad dream. You guys call it a nightmare. He's not that stupid. He is going to use visuals within your world. What you cast your eyes upon is what ultimately you will end up believing. He knows this. That visuals work. Why? Because God uses them. So the Holy Spirit continues to reveal the ways of God through visions today. As a kind of a science person, I'm certainly into studying the brain, how the brain works. I'm into, still I study sometimes on a weekly basis, the how the neurons fire and why they fire and when they don't fire, why don't they fire. You know, I like, I like the science elements of how the human brain works. But one of the things that I have discovered about the science of the human brain is that we think in pictures, not words. Is this true? A word goes through your mind of, for I am the Lord thy God. I can assure you when that thought is going through your head, I am the Lord thy God, he's not typing it out for you in your brain. It's a visual. Now Satan knows this, that we have been created to think visually, and visual images ignite neurological responses. And if they're consistently and constantly ignited, it creates an addiction. And so all of these 
societal problems we have everything from immorality on images to in music to blah 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 is based on this science and Jane is right it literally results itself in lack of relationship if you need a 602-292-2982 to get a little clarification on that I'd love to get a text from you but I can prove that to you Scientifically, that constant firing of the neurons create retardation, tardive dyskinesia, brain damage. It's also being proven right now that the most active minds are the most vulnerable minds in dementia in old age. Some of the brightest and smartest people, Ronald Reagan is a classic example, He spent his entire career creating visuals, movies. He used the the same ideations as a politician. And we have vivid memories of the beautiful, wonderful policies that he got passed as a president. Even Democrats don't mind the Reagan era. It works. And in the end, his brain started slipping. My point is that you can be overstimulated visually to the point of having tardive dyskinesia. So why the all of a sudden increased growth of diagnosed dementia cases? So much so... That it is igniting a euthanasia movement like we've never seen before? I don't think you need a theologian to connect those two dots for you. In Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 it says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. When you hear that verse, is there anything that comes to your mind? Where there is no vision... People are unrestrained. So now when we look in the social media world, there is this overindulgence in visual. Right? I don't think any of us would disagree with that. We're also receiving statistics. Many of you have quoted these statistics yourself. And that is... We're finding more and more people uh, pulling away from relationships because of the internet versus being drawn into them. But they're being exposed to more numeric numbers of relationships. But they don't know how to talk to people when you're standing in front of them. It is easier to text someone in the room than it is to say, "Uh, excuse me, honey, I have... I have something I'd like to say to you. So as a thinker, I I think through what is between the two people that blocks normal, natural, neutral communication. When I communicated it very accurately in a text. There's a difference between this visual indulgence on the internet and vision. Big difference. 
Vision encompasses a foresight. You're able to look all the way to the horizon and see if there's mountain range there, if the road stops. It is foresight. Now there's two kinds of foresight. Demonic and godly. When we ask ourselves the questions, have you ever wondered why God would use visions to communicate with his indwelled Christians? I know why. Do you? Secondly, and more realistic question is, why don't you hear about indwelled Christians having more visions today? Now here's the irony of, of what we're talking about. People are attracted to visual images from televisions to smartphone screens to whatever. They don't even think twice about it. And they'll go back and read more of that mystery. They'll go back and watch one more episode. Do you realize there's a series on the network that is showing teenagers how to kill themselves? And it's called what? 13 Reasons. And that's just one show. And they've got this unbelievable following. And there's already been a documented case of a girl obsessing on watching rerun after rerun after rerun after rerun. And she ends her rerun by running to suicide. She kills herself. Several Christian ministries that have an impact on those those type of public shows or whatever did their best job to stop the show from being produced, and they lost. And this is just an open door of what our youth has to come for. But you know, here's the sad thing for me is that Everyone who just now heard that, and believe me, we've got a large handful of listeners, and everyone who just heard that will do nothing about it. They won't write the network. They won't make statements of protest. They won't say, not my grandchildren, you can't have them. The reason why is there's too many visuals to go after. You'd have to go after every superhero movie. You'd have to go after every comic. You'd have to, you see what the, how long that list is. So what happens to the human mind is, well, I can't do much about it anyway, so I'm not going to do anything. So when they hear of teens committing more and more suicide, or maybe the case of abortion, or euthanasia, or any of the other killing spree, type of modalities, it's just so much that they just turn it off. Not this boy. I may not be able to shut a network down, but they're going to hear about it. As in the case I went after every single movie directly to the writers and producers of, of God's Not Dead and addressed all of the emergent issues within the movies and never got a response from them. But I know it showed up in their mailbox because I was told by one of their workers it did. 
I don't know what's going to happen on the other side. All I know is that if an unction is given here, I need to, to be responsible and do this. Are you with me? So you may go through your entire adult life ministering here and there and making statements here and there and whatever. God knows on the other side that you listened and responded and made a difference in heaven. What is done to the least of these, my brethren, is done unto me. See, our investment here is building up what Paul called eternal weight of glory. Whether the people get it and change or not. Visions are the Lord's ability to open the inner eyes of man to see the outward activities of God. Since man tends to cement their beliefs within what he sees, God makes use of this creational fact to communicate with his children and thus cements his beliefs. Visions are methods of looking beyond the mind of man and seeing into the mind of the living God. Sad to say, Satan makes use of the same methods to create lying visions and false dreams. Zechariah 10 verse 2. And this is because our enemy knows the truth that man tends to cement their beliefs in what they see and dream. It is important for indwell believers to understand and know how to discern the two. I spent a great time in my early career of being into dream analysis. That's very dangerous if you don't understand the scriptures and the truth and the Lord discerning what's really going on in the person's life. So whether you are a hater of God, whether you are a follower of Christ, or whether you're indwelt by Christ, the whole arena of addressing dreams or analyzing dreams is very dangerous. There are probably more cases of Satan controlling a person through their dreams than we realize. But this we do know about dreams from science. The simplicity of the mind is you dream about what you see during the day. Your brain is trying to process. You have two major parts of your brain. It's called the conscious part and the subconscious part. Cindy, what did you have for breakfast on July 28, in 1959. Nothing, because I wasn't born. <laughs> okay, I need to pick on another person. Mary. <laughs> Same question to you. She still eating baby food. She still eating baby food. What type of baby food? Now here's the strange thing about the human mind is that that data is actually inside Mary's mind. They're called convolutions. They're little wrinkles in the brain that has created a memory. And there is really no reason why Mary should need to recall that information. Or what dress she was wearing on that day. 
or the look on mom's face when whatever. You see, there's no reason to bring that data forward, but it's in there. And if that wasn't true, when you did autopsy on an old person, their brains would look like the brain of an infant. Very few wrinkles. But your brain is designed to take every image you see in a given day and file it. So your your process of dreams is taking it from conscious data. So if I woke you up before you went to sleep and said, what did you see today that made you scared? Oh, I saw this stupid commercial of this demonic, you know, superhero and... It'd be right there, right? Now, if I asked you 30 years from now about that day, what you saw in a commercial, you'd have a tough time bringing up the data. Well, when you go to sleep at night, there's what they call REM sleep. REM. Does anyone here remember what REM is? Rapid eye movement. So they came up with this REM title in different levels, the four levels of of your dream state. You see, they have come to understand that REM is when you leave one state of your sleeping and you enter active rapid eye movement, which is you're seeing things. Some people, it controls their voices and they'll shout out things in their, their dream. Confession comes forward. Your brain is seeing things. It is processing, as we just talked about, it is processing all the visuals that you saw during the day and the visuals that you have filed in your mind, and they all kind of mix together, and you begin to see things that you saw today, during the day, and things that you saw when you are 5 years old and 14 years old and 20 years of age. And pretty soon you see grandma up in the tree with a snake at the base of the tree and someone standing at the cabin door saying, there's a snake at the bottom of the tree, stay in the tree. And the eyes are moving and whatever, just like you're seeing the snake at the bottom of the tree and the warning of the person at the cabin and so forth and so on, right? And then you wake up, you come out of REM, and you wake up and you have this vivid recall of this dream. And the vivid recall of the dream is what I said earlier, is that you need to write this down. Because even though there is a capturing of images from during the day, you may have seen a snake during the day, you may have had thoughts about grandma or whatever the case may be, even though it has got relative and real data from that day or that week, it is grabbing information and images from the past, and pretty soon your mind puts it together. So the real question becomes, is God able to do that and use that? Yes, he is. So if you brought that dream to me, we would sit down and we'd say, okay, talk to me about grandma. Well, she was a lady of faith, constantly warning us as grandchildren to be aware of the tactics of the enemy and the blah, blah, blah. Okay, talk to me about a snake. I hate snakes. 
I hate reptiles. They remind me of Satan. They, they're evil. They're whatever. Okay? Talk to me about a cabin. You see, there's typically only four or five key light points that are inside dreams that help you analyze. We don't study the grass. We don't study how far the tree was from the house. We don't study, you know, whatever. And everyone has them. And there are people who work diligently at displacing REM. They're called suppressors. In other words, they don't remember their dreams. Suppressors tend to block out REM because REM is the most real, authentic, visual hour of your day. REM sleep typically only lasts an hour. And that's too painful. It's too vivid. It's too real. So they have worked at a pattern of suppressing REM and thus they have worked at suppressing some of the key ways that God speaks to mankind. In Joel 2.28 it says, It will come about. After this I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. If this is a true statement, which I hopefully believe that everyone who's listening is listening because they really are either a seeker of truth or they are a person or a people of truth. This is a statement being made to a prophet in the Old Testament to say, this is common sense. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will have visions. But yet we run our church timeline forward to today, and it is the least recorded activity known to the church today. Is dreams, visions, prophecies, you are, you are seeing such a tiny small percentage today compared to the way God communicated in the past. Now, this passage that Joel is confirming as well as preaching to us is bringing out confirmation of how God actually works and functions with the frail human mind. If the standard human mind is to rebel against God, anyone here that would agree with that? When you're born into sin, you're born into rebellion. That is called Theology 101. Now, if that is the standard, then there has to be a method of God overpowering the mind of man in order to create supernatural events. The Old Testament, they only had performance to go by. The New Testament, there was a transition going from performance to endurance. So now... We are supposed to be living in a church era today where dreams and visions and understanding the word of God and prophecies and words of knowledge and words of wisdom, all of those things that are said about the gifts of the Spirit should be as normal, natural, and neutral as getting up in the morning. They are not. 
You can ask your average quote-unquote Christ-following Christian, do you hear the voice of the Lord, the actual voice of the Lord in your mind throughout your day? So then if you are a teacher and preacher of the word, rightly dividing the word of truth, best that the your human mind is able to hear the spirit from within, that should leave you with a question. Why not? Well, I don't know. I can't tell the difference between my self-thought and God's thoughts. You can't. You do not know the difference between a Holy Spirit statement in your mind versus you having a thought about believing in the Word? Do you see what's happened? So therefore, if we lean toward hearing the Holy Spirit is your own interpretation inside your mind, we are going to slowly erode into a self-produced faith life. A self-produced Christianity. What will happen is you will build your Christian view, world view, on your own perceptions. Now, if the majority of the church was Holy Spirit inspired, Christ mind in you, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and provokes you, and you're standing in front of a group of 12 people who say that they're Christians, and the Holy Spirit inside you is provoking you inside to speak and say, excuse me, who were you baptized into? Now today that would be, excuse me, you think baptism got you saved? Yeah, I was baptized at camp, you know, when I was 17. Excuse me, you really believe that got you saved? That's where it goes. So what was going on back in Paul's day is no different than what is going on today, except for we are even cloaked in deception. Now, I'm sorry, many of you listeners that are listening are going to just reach over in your back pocket and make sure that ticket is still there. And you'll go on from this podcast or your preacher's teaching or a book that you've read on the authentic salvation and you're going to just move beyond this message. And the reason why we do that is because who wants to question their own salvation? I don't. I get into the scriptures and I see the real evidence of confirmed salvation. And when I look at that, those who endured to the end, I just can't write it off. As well, I, I, I don't know what Jesus meant by what Jesus said. I, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know what Paul was doing when he was questioning those dedicated 12 workers of the Lord and they, you know, confirmed they had been baptized by John and, you know. And you wonder why God has to speak to you through dreams and visions. Your minds, they're lukewarm. They're not hot and they're not cold. They're just help you be content with death. 
How many of the people in the world have gotten to the point, think about this, have really seriously gotten to the point of being content with being dead men walking? Just about everyone. And you don't think Paul provoking of the Spirit was not perfectly ordained by God? He would rise above Apollos who was not catching it. He would rise above Peter at times when Peter wasn't catching it. He would rise above the Spirit of the living God saying, It isn't finished yet. The work of our Lord is finished. We're not. We need to work out your salvation. We need to find out if you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Or if you're of truth, because the truth lives inside you. 2 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. And I understand what Paul was saying when he said, For I am not taught by man nor do I need his teachings. Remember that? And then he finishes with, for I get my revelations from Jesus Christ. He is literally saying these statements of saying thoughts of man versus thoughts of the spirit and how that whole process worked. And he happened to be saying that to this Corinth group. I do love dead guys, and I study dead guys, and I learn from dead guys, and I do love some of the alive guys, and and so the main thing that I watch for is their endurance, and if their endurance keeps saying, here's my level of endurance after all these years, after all these conflicts, after all these persecutions and distresses and difficulties, I'm going to listen to them. Would I be willing and open to be taught by this young man that has stepped forward and stated his renouncing of Jesus Christ? No, I'm not going to be taught by him. The discernment is, are they receiving revelations from Jesus Christ directly through the Spirit? For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So if the Spirit is living inside of us, That becomes our, and he becomes our primary teacher. Colossians 2, verses 18 and 19 tells us, Let no one keep defrauding you of the prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. We're being warned here is don't be defrauded by even visions and dreams. Demonic, controlled people have dreams and visions. I can assure you anything you discover in the Bible that is a supernatural action of the Holy Spirit, there's a replica that the enemy uses. He's not a creator and inventor, so as an enemy he has to see what works and replicate it. That's what our church has done. We have read, we have studied the scriptures and we know it works and we have replicated it. 
There is no power in replication. There is only power in revelation. That's the key. How do you know that someone's dream is earthly, natural, and demonic? Because Satan is not going to advance the word of God. Because he'd be advancing Jesus. So it does take discernment of the Holy Spirit. And then this whole worship of angels thing, I, I thought that just came out with Touched by an Angel television series. I mean, I caught on to that instantly that this is going to be one of the most deceptive shows on television to lead people away from Jesus and put on angel jewelry, angel visions and angel movies and angel this. Well, just look at the media today and tell me what you see. You think these superheroes that look like a bat that comes off of a building is just simply a trinket comic view to help entertain our children? No, they are demonically empowered. When Walt Disney was asked where he got these images that today, as we know, is the leading visual company promoting sorcery today. Where did you get these visuals? Since he was like the author of cartoons in his dreams. And shortly before he died, he confessed an addiction to drugs to keep the dreams coming so his creativity would continue. Drugs come from a word called pharmakia. And pharmakia means sorcery. Whether you want to hear this information or not doesn't really matter much to me, but the reality is, it is the reality in the word. Visual images come from a spiritual source. That's all I want you to see. Satan knows this and believes that it works. And so does God. So did Joel when he received these words from the Lord as saying, old men will dream dreams and young men will have vision. This is a prophet saying this is how it works, folks. In a stubborn mind, the best way to control a stubborn mind is to possess his mind. How do you possess a mind? They start walking around and you're looking at them like they're talking to someone and they're literally walking around talking to themselves. Nobody talks to themselves. They are talking to a spirit somewhere. Now that should bring us to the point of going, well, what spirit is speaking? If our minds are actually activated by spirit, body, soul, spirit. Is your spirit baptized into man? Is your spirit baptized into Jesus Christ? Because whoever you're baptized into is whose mind you're going to get in your mind. That's the point. Just as an athlete wins a race, can you imagine the athlete being told before they win the race that they're going to win? What would that do to their performance ability while running? It jacks up their motivation. Their their doubts are gone. I've already been told by the supreme authority judge sitting at the judge's table 
I just want you to know I have ability to look into the future and you're going to win this race. Versus someone who is a healthy, equipped athlete, arrogant, knowing they're going to win the race. And halfway through the race, they stumble and fall. The greatest athlete on the planet that everyone predicted in social media that was going to win the race trips and falls halfway through the race. And some rookie racer who's a nobody to the entire world was told, you're going to win the race. What happens is that whoever it is that is controlling the puppet strings of mankind can orchestrate anything from a fall to slowing down, to speeding up, to whatever that the sovereign person controlling mankind decides to do with the outcome. And that is what we're talking about when Jesus steps up and says, if you are appointed for eternity. So Satan goes, I cannot let that secret out. I just can't. So he's put the emphasis on having people buffet their bodies, buffet their minds, train themselves to be the top-notch whatever it is they're doing. Performance-driven race. When in reality, if you take care of your body, you take care of your mind, you take care of your spiritual life, you take care of the common sense things, it's up to the sovereign one who comes through that string. God can use visions. Vision is always used from what I could find in the Greek. In the Greek, it is always used as foresight. In the Hebrew, it is a complete different machine. In the Hebrew, vision is a prophetic utterance revealed in the mind. So the prophets of the Old Testament, if they said something, it was going to happen. The prophecies in the New Testament is someone is speaking on pre-stated prophecies by Joel, Isaiah, etc. Do you see the difference? It's very important to know the difference. So there's churches out there and groups out there that say, I have a word of prophecy. And so the pastor says, okay, you may stand up and give the prophecy. The lady stands up and gives the prophecy and says, uh, there's someone in the congregation that is going to give, uh, she's going to conceive in October and she's, the baby's going to die and goes into this weird prophecy. If I heard that by the hearing of my ears, I would say, okay, I'm going to watch this lady's endurance level. Now that could happen, but I'm going to watch. That's why I held on to the dream that was given to me about this young man for many years, is because I needed to watch. Not just come out and say I had this weird dream and, you know, blah, 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 and I think it's going to happen. I usually do. So, Satan can make any dream you have become a reality because he's living in the present, making things happen in the present that activate your mind. Oh, I dreamt about that two years ago. Well, so... 
Who's the one in the present that is manipulating today of something you thought of back two years ago? Which puts sorcery into action in that person's mind and not spiritual revelation. There's a lot that needs to be said about visions and dreams, but I just wanted to bring out to you some key points that seem to be uh, ever so popular in the church today and misunderstandings of basically how people abuse something that is very, very spiritual. And if you have questions in regard to any dreams or visions that you have had, I am more than willing and open to dialogue with you, but I must warn you, my percentage rate that I have kept track of in my mind is well over 90% stop communications immediately after the interpretation is given. They don't want to hear how 90% of the dreams you have is about you, not your grandmother. It just takes someone who's wise enough to discern the little details. So if you have a nightmare of dropping into the pit of hell, I'm going to have a discussion with you about whether you are truly, authentically indwelt by the life of Jesus himself. Don't tell me you believe and have been a Christian your entire life. It matters not to me. God warns you in your dreams. But so does Satan. He plays the same game. So that takes some discernment. 602-292-2982. And I've been getting more emails than text messages. So that is D-R-P-H-I-N-N-E-Y at iomamerica.org Dr. Finney at iomamerica.org Looking forward to hearing from you. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.